You are listening to sermon audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more sermon audio, visit redtreechurch.com. God, we are grateful, first of all, for your spirit, because without your spirit, none of this, Lord, can, can happen for the Father. We thank you for, uh, Lord, the faithfulness that you, you exhibit to us, Lord, as broken, as broken individuals, like, like we said earlier, Lord, that are in need of healing. And you are the great healer. And you send, you send people like Rob, who have a, a deep desire to see people heal and grow and be saved, grow in their faith and love God and love people. And so we're excited about that work, Father. I pray that the Spirit would lay the foundation in our hearts and our minds to receive the Word of God. I pray that the Word of God spoken from Rob's lips, Lord, would be done out of conviction and the study that he has done would, would overflow into our hearts and our ears and our, our minds, Lord, to be to be faithful lovers of God, but doers of the word as well. Lord, we trust you in these things, and we thank you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. Thank you guys for allowing me to be here. Um, so I've been here before. Some of you have probably seen me. Some of you haven't. Uh, I've led worship here. We're trying to figure this out. It was hot, so it was around a year ago. Um, and then I preached when you guys met at the conservatory, and that was even longer ago. And so to introduce myself again or reintroduce myself, my name's Rob Rash, and my wife, Christine, is sitting back there with three of our kids. The other three are in the back somewhere uh, causing trouble, and we are thankful for this church. We're thankful to be a part of Red Tree. Um, I met Jeff Neville uh, a few years ago at a plant Midwest or church planning thing or something like that, and uh, you guys know there's something about Jeff, right? Like, there's just something about the guy. It wasn't, he had a really long beard, too, which I admired at the time. And I thought, uh, it's kind of intimidating, but it's kind of neat. You can hide things in there. And, um, and so I met Jeff, and Jeff was just, uh, just Jeff. And so, you know, he kind of spoke to me, kind of mentored me, kind of spoke into my life. And so the Lord was bringing people into my life like Jeff. Um, but he wasn't the only man. And so as we looked towards church planning and what we were called to do, we looked at churches that we would like to be like. In fact, as we planted our church and are starting to plant our church, we've been now in August, we will have moved back to the area. It'll be two years. Um, we don't have a Sunday morning service. We have tried just about everything to try to engage our community and to know our community. And it seems like the ground is, is so hard that it's hard to get that worked up. You know what I'm saying? And so we have been working the ground hard. We have seen people come. We have seen people go. Um, we have been discouraged. We have been encouraged, mostly discouraged, it seems like. Um, it's a roller coaster ride. But here's the thing about God, what we sing about, what we preach about, what we read in the scriptures, is he's always faithful. And if he's called you to do something, you do it regardless. My wife and I were talking about this last night after all the kids were in bed and we were finally in bed and we could actually talk about being um, interrupted. Uh, we were just talking about man, what is God teaching us? What has he been teaching us? And yes, we're discouraged and we're tried and this seems very difficult. But we said, we've got to trust in him alone, right? My, my wife had homeschooled my oldest this past year and one of the neat things about doing that is he got to read through all these missionary books. Um, and one of the books he read, different missionaries throughout history, was George Mueller. You may have heard of him. He moved from Germany to England and his life is just an amazing life. Um, but this man relied on prayer. He prayed all the time. 
In fact, he had over 700 orphans that he was overseeing. And sometimes he didn't know how he was going to feed them. He would pray, and after he got done praying, someone would knock on the door. Hey, I was driving by, and I can't get this bread to the store in time. Would you use it? And they take the bread, right, and they feed the orphans, right? Like this, he would pray so much that on average it says that uh, in his time in ministry in England, that he would have on average 500 prayers answered a year. That's one and a half a day. Right? This man relied. He wasn't writing out support letters. He wasn't visiting churches and preaching sermons. He was going to the source of the giver. And so the Lord has been teaching us this through this journey. But I say that to say we are thankful to be a part of a church like Red Tree. Um, we have three partnering churches. We right now are finishing up a residency at our sending church, which is Genesis Church. So if you just jump on 109 and go straight down south, they meet in high school. They're meeting right now. And that's our sending church. We're ending our residency in June there. And we will jump into full-time, well, full-time ministry. It's always full-time, into Washington um, this July. And so I say that because we have another sending church out in Winsville called Piney Ridge. And I was telling Craig before the service, I said the neat thing about where God has placed us is I've been a part of many churches. I've done youth ministry, led worship, um, did some leadership and preaching. And of all the churches I've been to before now, They've been unhealthy. And I said, God is so good because he has put us in a position to, to have three churches that are overseeing us, pouring into us, that are healthy. Not perfect, <laughs> but healthy. And so we want to extend that to Washington. So we're here, and um, I want to tell you a little bit about our church, and then we'll get into the Word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you really want to know where we're at, you can open up there. We're picking up where you left off last week. And the neat thing about this is, as we were engaging our community, we were teaching through the book of Mark as well. And so I have studied this passage. I have taught this passage in a small group setting. And it just so happens that God's sovereignty, right? He's cool like this. He does things like this. It just so happens that today we'll be talking about the kingdom. And so here I am talking about planting a church, which is another part of the kingdom. And so those little moments, I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Um, and so let me tell you a little bit about our church. We started out with a different name called Mission Community Church, but we found out there was another church named Mission Community Church about 15 miles away, and they didn't teach a true gospel. So we said, eh, that's going to have to change. So as we were gathering in our home and other people's homes and wherever we could meet, trying to figure out how do we get people to come and join us and hear about this mission and be called, not just from coming and sitting in a pew, but coming to being on mission with the gospel, how do we engage our community? And so as we prayed and thought and talked and discussed all this stuff, we kind of landed on this, this idea that when the word of God, when the gospel of Jesus Christ enters your heart, it doesn't just stay there, right? Like, like it, it, he gives you a new heart and it, it transforms you. And so it pushes out of you out into other places, into your family, to the places you work, play, eat. It, it, it's this idea like of this reverberation, right? This echo, and so as we thought about this, we thought, man, isn't that a cool picture that we can use? That as the gospel moves into our lives, it transforms us. And have you ever noticed those new believers when they come to church? Like they, they, they're, they're the ones that have like the crazy testimony story, but then Jesus grabs a hold of them. Like they're the ones that you see in scripture when Jesus grabs a hold of a heart, they're the ones out telling people about Jesus, right? Like the Samaritan woman at the well she immediately goes and tells everyone in her hometown, come meet a man who knows everything about me, right? Uh, the, the demon, right? Uh, the man filled with the, the, the demons, uh, legion. I think that's in Mark. I think we already covered that, right? This man, what happens when Jesus releases him and enters into his heart? He goes out and he tells 10 cities about this man that changed my life, right? Like you see this pattern over and over. And so 
what we wanted to do is we started a church in Washington, and there are some good churches there, um, but there's just not enough good, healthy churches. We wanted to be a church that when Jesus comes into our lives, as he's working in our hearts, it moves out from our lives into the lives of those around us. And so it's a simple word, it's a simple picture, but we simply want to echo the gospel of Jesus into our lives, into our families, into our community. But just like Red Tree, when we've settled on is we want to settle our church on three areas of ministry. And here it's Christ, commission, and community. And for us, it's gospel, community, and mission. Same words, different kind of lingo, but it's the same. And I learned that from this, this church. I learned this from spending time with Craig and, uh, you know, Sam, my first meeting with Sam, I knew him. We were friends on Facebook, you know, because you, you know people on Facebook before you actually know them. And, uh, and I was, I'm trying to figure out who else is on staff at the Red Tree Churches. They're usually guys with beards. And, um, and so it was, uh, you know, a couple months ago, and I get this text from Sam, and I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? He's like, hey, I'd love to meet with you. And so we went to, uh, he loves this place called STL Colache, something like that. They're basically buns filled with food. And... Um, and so we, we, I met him there, and I'm just chatting, and we're catching up. You know, he's hearing my story, I'm hearing his story, and he's like, bro, hey, man, I just want to tell you, Red Tree's coming on to support you. I'm like, what? Like, you don't understand. I ask, like, everybody. I ask everyone I talk to. I ask churches, and they're all like, man, we'd love to, but not right now, right? Like, this is the response. I didn't even come to you and ask you, and you come by me breakfast, and he said, man, we're, we're coming on board. You know, and Craig was talking about Michael Bird. Michael Bird's one of my friends. We actually went down there on Good Friday and helped serve um, in Baden. Um, Michael Bird and I were in church planting assessment together, and I thought, I got to come up after this guy and preach? First of all, I didn't know I was preaching in our assessment, and then Bird comes up there and he preaches, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm done, right? Like, I am, whoo. And so um, I've known Michael Bird for a while, and I love that man, and I love his heart for ministry, and I love that Red Tree sees the kingdom of God as it exists, not just here in West County, but it exists in the rural areas like Washington, Missouri, that is deeply starved for the gospel, to the inner city, which is starved for the gospel as well, to mid-cities, to Mumbai, right? Like, the gospel is going out. And what's so cool is today in these passages, what we're going to see is this is God's plan from the beginning. <laughs> like, this is his plan. It's working. You are a part of what God is teaching us, what Jesus taught his disciples of how the kingdom is going to act. And so that's a little bit about us. I would ask you, um, I'll just tell you a few things about where we're at, what we're going, and a few things you can do to pray for us in our church. Um, I work full-time planning a church, raising a family, doing all this crazy stuff. And so I was telling Craig, I don't have, I haven't had enough time. I usually send out newsletters once a month, and I haven't done that for like three months. I'm way behind. Um, but a couple of ways that you can um, support us would be, one, you can pray for us. So I meant to bring my business cards, but I forgot um, our church cards. Just so you could have something, maybe put it on your fridge, and you can pray. I'll try to get those um, to Sam or Craig or Lane or someone, and maybe they can hand them out. So would you pray for our church? And here's how you can pray for us. We're praying for a couple things. We're praying for one, we need um, what we're calling a elder-qualified man and family to come join us. Um, we have got some good people, but we are looking for someone that's going to come alongside, compliment my my weaknesses, but then also kind of raise my arm as we engage ministry in Washington. So we're looking for someone to come on alongside us, even for a season, and we're praying for them. We've been praying for this family for over a year, and so we're praying for that. So you can pray for that family for us. Two, we have been um, been facing nothing but pushback, it seems like, in our community, in our association, um, in our area, that... Um, 
our prayer is that we would be the spark that fans the flame, that gets the, ignites the fire, that maybe 10 years from now we can see thousands of people uh, saved by Jesus Christ. But right now, everyone wants to stamp that spark out. And so we're facing lots of opposition, not just from Catholics and non-believers, but even from churches in our community. In fact, I was told on multiple occasions that Washington is the place church planners go to die, right? Like, why is he planning a church? Doesn't he know it doesn't work here? And I'm like, I understand why it doesn't work here, but we bought a house, okay? So, no, I can't leave. We're, we're stuck here. And so, if you would just pray that there would be some gospel movement within Washington, not only raising up people, but that we can see Echo Church as a lighthouse. And I even had a pastor reach out to me because he saw our car at the coffee shop we used to meet at, and he said, he, he messaged me, and we got together, and he's not even a part of, we're planning through the North American Mission Board, and we're also going through the Acts 29 assessment as well, and so we're planning through there, and he's not even a part of that, right? But he hit me up, we got together, and we prayed, he said, Rob, God has put you on my heart, I don't even know you, and I've got to know this man, I got to know his heart for the gospel and for Washington, and, and two weeks later, we got together with another pastor, and they said, we want to pray for you. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. That these, these men of churches that are not supporting us, but are prayerfully supporting us. So we believe in the gospel of Jesus, and we, we need to see lives change. And so they got together and they prayed with me. So, and he told me, he said, Rob, God has just, he's, I've seen something. It's, I see your church as being a light to a dark place. Right? And he says, I, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to be your partner. And so I thank God for that. So would you pray that God would continue to fan this flame and open up doors, not for our glory, but for his glory and for his kingdom? Because I don't care how big our church is. I just care that lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus. So that's our church. You can follow us on Facebook. You can um, just follow us on the newsletter. I'll send that information out uh, eventually too. And so keep us in your prayers because we desperately need your help. So here's where we're at now, and then I'll get into the Word. We have been plotting and praying and teaching and leading and talking to everyone we can talk to. Um, we have rented a space, which is a huge deal for us because we found out people just don't want to come to your house, even if it's fun and you have lots of kids' toys and you've got a you know, shaded backyard. They still are kind of hesitant to come over to your house. And so we met in a coffee shop for four months and tried to engage our community there. But what we found out is, even if you meet outside your house, people are really busy because you've got uh, sports and family things. And even if you have a night off, you're not going to come to a Bible study. You want to stay home and watch This Is Us. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So what we found as we spent time in our community is people are busy. And although we're moving past this, this time in our lives where you used to be able to tell people about church and they had some kind of reference point, we're actually to the point where people are moving past that, right? It's called post-Christian society. Even in Franklin County, there are people who have never been to church in their lives. Because in the boomers, when the boomers came back to church and you had all these community churches pop up, they were trying to be a church that wasn't religious, right? And now you've got parents who are my age, who've got kids that are older and says, you know what? I'm just, my worship is my kids and their events, and they're busy, and their kids are growing up, and a guy I work with who's 18 had never been to his church, to a church in his life. This is rural communities, right? This isn't like the big bustling metropolis. This is small town USA. So people don't even know that they're lost, and the people that think they're safe, sometimes they're even lost as well. So we've got a great mission field ahead of us, but we believe that God has called us there to plant and start this church. And so here's where we're at. We found out from meeting in our homes and meeting at the coffee shop 
that we had to find a place and a space in town. We couldn't meet in the middle school. We could, but, but that's not going to work in Washington because people want to know that you're there, that you've got skin in the game, that you're saying, I'm <laughs> buying into this. And so what we did is we found a space and we took a step of faith and we said, Lord, we're going we're gonna to rent this space out. So we rent this space out on the west side of town in Washington on 5th Street, right by the YMCA, right by all the ball fields, all the football fields. Everyone's going to drive by and they're going to see this church. And we're going to say, why don't you just come to church before you go to the ball game, right? And there's no churches on this side of town and the Lord has just opened up doors. The church actually met in this building before we met in there. I didn't even know this smaller side of the room even existed. And so we're prayerful that, that not that if you build it, it will come, right? They will come. We're not doing the field of dreams. But we do believe that what matters to people in our context and our community is that you have a, a building and a time set aside where if we want to come check it out, we can, and to know that you're there. So I'm giving you a little bit of kind of a taste of what we're at. So we're going to start meeting there in June for lunch. July and August, we'll finish our residency, and we're going to meet on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And we're going to gather as our team, and we're going to, we're going to push towards launching in September. We've had churches give us sound equipment and chairs and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And we're still gathering things that we're going to need. And so we're hopeful and prayerful that not if you build it, they will come. But if we have a place and we have um, a foot in the game, that people will, will have a place to come to and they can hear about Christ. And this is our base camp, right? This is where we're building everything from so we can go into our homes and have our Echo families meet as gospel communities in homes throughout the week. But we can't do that first. We've got to get people to hear the gospel. We've got to build community there. And then we want to go live on our mission as well. So this is where we're at. We're really excited about it. We've got some really cool things. Washington, anyone ever been to the Washington Town and Country Fair? Been to the fair? It's like, like we got Jake Owen coming, you know, like country summertime guy. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal fair, and it's really expensive. But every year before the fair starts in August, they do a Washington Town and Country Fair Parade, and it's a big deal. We're going to be in that fair parade. And we're going to be giving out waters. And we're going to I just order some t-shirts. And we're going to be wearing t-shirts. And we're going to see if we can have permission to actually shoot people with water guns. Because it's really hot. And we thought that would be really cool if they're really hot and say, you want us to shoot you? And they said, yeah. And you can just spray people down. And we're going to hand out water guns. And we're going to get our name out there so people know, hey, there's something new happening here. And we want to just have a, be a church that expresses ourselves a little bit differently than what people may have been used to. So that's where we're at. We're hopeful and we're prayer. We ask that you would pray for us through the summer. Pray that God would draw people to this church so that we can build his church in, the, the, in Washington and Franklin County. Enough about that. Now we'll get to preach. Of course, you probably thought that wasn't preaching. That was my pre-intro. So if you open up to the book of Mark, what's really neat is we were kind of alongside this. I don't know how many churches I've talked to, but they either just finished Mark or they've been going through Mark. And um, what I love about these is you've got three sections of Scripture. Um, one of these is unique to the book of Mark that only he has recorded. But you just finished up this par- these parables that Jesus was talking about, the sowing of seed. Right? Oftentimes, when we read about these, the sowing of seed, we look at the soils that, we're, that the seed takes root in. And oftentimes, we put ourselves as, well, I'm the good soil, or I know so-and-so's the hard soil, or they're the ones choked out by the cares of the world. And I think if we do that, the danger is we miss what God's teaching us. He's saying, listen, I'm not worried about the soil. What I'm worried about is what our responsibility is as believers in Jesus, that our job is to sow seed. And that's all we can do. And so why is that important? Because here is why that's important. Jesus has been setting this up the whole time, right? Mark, what I love about the book of Mark is it's like, this is kind of like Peter's memoir, right? 
And you, you see it as it's just kind of a go, go, go. So if you're ADD, this is the book for you. Right? If you have a short attention span, this is the book for you because it's just, there's always stories. So Jesus is building this kingdom. And the disciples think that Jesus is building this kingdom, right? And all they know is that the kingdom exists on earth, physically. And that's why when he goes and gets away and prays in Mark chapter 1, he rises early to go pray, and the disciples come to him and they're like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is the tone of the language they use. They come to Jesus and he's praying, rising early, because people are, he's with people all the time, day and night healing them, teaching them, and they love him. And he gets up early because that's the only time he has to spend with the Father, right? This is why prayer is so important to ministry. And Jesus knew it, and he modeled it for us. The disciples come, and they're like, what are you doing? We're building a kingdom, and you're out here praying? What's the matter with you, right? And so you see, as all this is happening, right? Like Jesus' mother and brothers, they think he's crazy and out of his mind. They're coming to get him. You've covered this in the last few weeks, that all these people are starting to follow Jesus, and he gets to this point where, okay, now it's time, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. Because what you think it is, is not what it actually is. So we have to start understanding in our mindset too, because we live on this side of BC, that as Jesus was there, all they had dreamt about, all they had believed, was that the Messiah would come and establish his kingdom on earth. And so their hope is that the Messiah comes, he gathers a crowd and a people and a following, they overthrow the government, and now God's kingdom is established on earth. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you a few parables, right? And so he shares the parable about the sower and the seeds. And he's starting to to paint this picture. And this is where we find ourselves as he starts to explain these even more. So that was last week, probably, right? The parable of the sower and the the purpose of the parable. So here we are in um, Mark chapter 4. Let's start with a very, I'm going to break this down into three sections because I think this is probably the most important. But before we get there, I just want to, the main point of, this, of these whole three chapters as I have studied them and have I sought out wisdom is the kingdom of God listen, is guaranteed to grow. But it's guaranteed to grow by God. Like it will grow, it will happen. And it's evidence, you are evidence of the kingdom growth right here. So let's not lose sight that as we read these and we're wondering and asking questions, God has already guaranteed that the kingdom of God will grow. So here is in the first section, let's cover this. Chapter 4, verse 21, it says this, And he said to them, Jesus, to the disciples, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's just stop there, right? Like, this isn't the first time Jesus has said this. And he's actually quoting the Old Testament too. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Doesn't that seem like a strange thing to say? Like, we, we have ears, right? Like, come on, parents, can I get a witness? Your kids have ears, right? Have you, how many of you told them, God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should listen more and talk less. Oh, see, my Robbie, my 10, 11-year-old, he's on. Yep, yep, I've heard that before. And see, what Jesus is saying here, he's not, he's, what he's saying is, if I could say it in just plain English, you need to listen up. Catch this. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Yet so often in the New Testament, people would hear Jesus and they would completely miss what he was saying. 
And I find that's even true today. And so he's saying, listen, this is important. You need to listen up. So he talks about this lamp, right? He talked about this in Matthew chapter 5. He talked about this in Luke chapter 8. Same idea. That who has a lamp and lights it and puts it under a bowl? And so if we look at the context of Jesus, what we happen to, you don't have electricity back then, right? You have people living in these houses they built. They have these shelves probably pretty high. And they have these little bowls and they fill them with oil and they light them up. And where would they put this to bring light to their small little house? They put it up high on the shelf because the light illuminates everything. You wouldn't take it and put it underneath your bed, right? Unless you're looking for something. But you wouldn't leave it there. You would bring it back out because you're trying to find something. You're trying to illuminate. Now, a lot of times we, we, we look at this and we're like, okay, yeah, light, your Christ's light needs to shine. But here's where I'm going to push on you and myself as well. Because I think the point of this is Jesus is the light, right? He is the lamp. How often do we take that lamp and that light that lives inside of us and we put it under a bowl? Right? I've got some interesting and sad statistics that I want to share with you. Um, And I had to to look this up because I've used these before, but I wanted to make sure I was right on target. And I, I want to share this with you because this is just startling to me. Right? The reason the church grows is because God saves people, but he uses people like you and I to share Christ with people. We're the ones sowing seeds. He's not asking you to be a good person, right? He's asking you to shine the light that has been shown in your darkness of your heart. And as it changes you, you take that and you share that with people. And then God uses those seeds that we are planting. And when they hit on good soil, and they come alive. So listen to these statistics. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 95% of Christians. It's not that we win the soul, but we have a part of sharing the gospel with people that they can understand and know. Yet 95% of Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. 71% do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. Isn't that amazing? Like that, that blew me away. I heard that before and I'm like, there's no way, right? And then I'm thinking, Rob, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time through, your, through, through sharing your life, through sharing the gospel with someone, that they came to know Christ? <laughs> and I'm trying, <laughs> but it's been a while. Right, so often, and I'm, not, I'm not here to bash the church because I love the church because it's his church. But I know that I've done this, and I look. I had a friend of mine, he says, yeah, man, he's kind of from New Jersey, and he kind of has that little accent, and I'm horrible at accents. I can barely speak English the way it is. He says, man, I'm just so tired of time clock Christians. Right? You know, time clock Christians, you know, they come in on Sunday morning, and they punch in their clock, and then they, when the hour's over, they punch it out, and they go along. And he says, they're going to get up to heaven one day, you know, and he's, God's going to say, oh, oh, yeah, what'd you do? Oh, oh, I see you got 10,000 hours clocked into the church. All right, welcome in. I thought, man, Lord, may not be so in my life. That my life wouldn't just become an hour on Sunday morning. But that would be the celebration of what you're doing throughout the week. 
I'm trying to think of how many non-Christian friends that I know. And we've gotten to know our neighbors, and I think half of them are non-Christian. And you're praying for them, and you're talking with them, and some of your prayers aren't prayers of salvation, but they're other prayers, right? And I coach my son's uh, Y basketball team this last winter, and I, I really didn't want to, right? Like, I'll be assistant coach because I really have time for that, and I don't even know if I can coach. I don't like coaching my own kids because I want my kids to like me. And, um, and so I said, well, if someone else coaches, I'll be the assistant coach. And, and like, it's like two days before. Like, they don't have a coach. I'm like, oh, I'll do it. So I get there, and I'm like, I'll coach the kids. And I'm like, a half hour before we get there, I'm like looking up drills and things we can do for eight-year-olds and how to coach them in basketball and seven-year-olds and people that have no athletic ability at all, and that's okay. That's why you sign up for Y Leagues. And I get there, and then I meet Leo. And Leo goes, man, I was waiting for someone else to coach. I just wanted to be the assistant coach. I'm like, that's what I was doing. Why didn't you sign up before me? But what was really unique about the situation was had I put them into a Christian league, which I'm not anti that stuff. Don't, don't hear me. I'm saying for us, for us to be out in the community, we have to be out in the community. I have to get to know non-believers. I have to intentionally make an effort to get to know people who don't know Jesus and are not following him. And I got to meet the parents of these kids. And I got to meet these kids, which were a joy. I mean, it was like one-on-nine basketball all year long. But it was fun, and I got to meet Leo, and I got to meet Jason, and I got to meet Brian, and I got to meet Brian's brother, and I forgot his name. And we're, my kids are handing out information about our church. <laughs> like, we have to be intentional about meeting people, because I don't want to be the 95%. And I don't want the church to be let off the hook. In our American culture, what has happened and shifted over time, the church is in the midst of this culture. And so to, bat, to, to push against the culture is really challenging because the culture comes into the church. That's why when you go to Mexico or you go to South America or you go to India probably, I haven't been there, but I can imagine outside of the U.S. in this Western mindset, Church services last for hours. Hours. They're singing the same song. I was talking to my buddy Friday night. He's like, yeah, it was like, real, it was like four hours long. He was down in uh, Peru. And he's like, man, this, this service was like four hours long. They sing like the same song like for an hour. <laughs> right? Like, that would not fly in America. Like, you would not have a church. Like we we got to get in, we got to get out before the Baptists do so we can get to the buffet before they get there, right? If the sermon's too long, we're looking at our clock and, you know, we're, we're antsy. And we were even talking about whether or not to live stream services. Like they're having this conversation at the church they were at to, to live stream services and what's the benefit and the motivation. And we're talking about this and I'm listening. And I'm like, man, that, I'm not against that. I'm not anti-live stream. I'm not for it. I, I don't know. But I know this that people are busy. And I know that if you want them to sit through an hour-long service online, they're not going to do it. Like Time is of the essence. And so we have, in America, have made put church in a box. And I'm thankful for Red Tree that says, no, we're a church that gathers 
to glory in the gospel, and then we move out of here into our gospel communities throughout the week to encourage each other through the week that we need, the, that we need Jesus, and then also we're going to live on mission. I love that Jeff is in Mumbai right now. I mean, part of me doesn't, right? Like, I met with him. I said, dude, would you pray about being uh, kind of an overseeing elder of our church plant? He says, man, I'd love to. I'm leaving the country in nine months. I was like, that's not going to work, right? But I love that this church still gathers because it's not about Jeff. It's not about the pastor, one of the pastors. It's about the gospel. And this church understands that. Genesis Church, where we're a part of. I love being a part of that church because... Mike is always preaching the gospel every week. Like we're just, we're just taking in, we're learning so many things, but they exist for their community. They exist to make their community better in the hopes that they will share the gospel with people. Right? Now, I've heard it coined before, would our community miss us if we weren't here? And I thought, ah, oh, Maybe. They might miss you for a year or so. And then when you're gone, like, like all the churches in the New Testament, they're gone. They're not even around anymore, right? Some of the churches you probably grew up in, they're, they're not even around anymore. Like the church, it comes and goes. The gospel is always is at the center. And so I said, I think the better question is not would our community miss us if we were gone, but is our community better because we're here? Because that gives us purpose. That gives us a, motive, a gospel motivation. So Genesis does stuff like on homecoming weekend. They go up to the high school and they will serve in the concession stand so that the parents can be out with their kids for homecoming. I'm like, that's a great idea, right? Like That is living on mission. That's letting people know you care about them. And they're building a relationship. Everything they do, plus they're a portable church and you know this, they can't say, we'll meet you at the church building, right? Because if you come up here during the week, there's like, 400 middle school students, and no one wants to be there, right? And so they find ways to be in the community, to make their community better, in the hopes that they will share the gospel with someone who doesn't know it. And it's happening. They do this thing called the uh, Gift of Love Christmas Store. And they do it at Blevins Elementary School. And they have the school's permission, the school helps, and we, we get all kinds of toys, nice toys, And the parents come in, and we all serve up there, and they set the whole school up. And they pick out certain families from the school, and they come up, and they get to buy gifts for their kids. Now, they're at a tenth of the price. They can spend $1, $2. You can get a $1 gift, $2 gift, or a $30 gift. And each gift is 10 20 or 30 And they get to go up there. They get to be loved on. They get to ask, why are you guys doing this? Who are you? And they get to share with them, well, we're we're Genesis Church, and we love people. And one of the families that is a part of Genesis came to Christ through that ministry. Right? Like, this is what Jesus is talking about here. Like, we've got to get beyond this idea that the pastor's role is to go and save people. Like, what I preach to our people, which is why our church is probably small, is, you know what the call to follow Christ is? Is to die to yourself every day and to live for him. And if we take that seriously... And not without struggle, right? Because we struggle. Like on Sundays, I would love to go home and take a nap, but I, my wife, it's not fair to her. Because <laughs> kids aren't tired, believe it or not, because they sleep on the ride home. 
Like to die to self and to live for Christ is the call of every believer. And the Great Commission exists for each and every person who is a follower of Jesus. And so we have this light and this lamp that lives inside of us. And my question is, are we putting a cover on it? Are we hiding it? And I think you might be thinking, well, you don't know me. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Like, I had this revelation. Like, I thought I was an, an extrovert. I'm only an extrovert when it comes to preaching and when I'm around people. But when that's not the way it is, it's like, I like go deep inside, right? Like, I would be fine going hunting all day by myself. Or going fishing. Or going playing golf. I, I can do that because it's just me. And I, 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 I don't have to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm cool. Like, that's my happy place. <laughs> But I know you're thinking, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know who I'm around. How am I going to share? My life is broken. But you know what I love? Paul in Corinthians paints this picture of these jars of clay. And what I love about this picture is these jars of clay are broken. But the light and the glory of God exists inside these jars. And as God renews you and mends you and makes you whole, the light of Christ shines through your cracks. I don't struggle with anxiety. Lately, a little bit. But never before in my life. I never understood it. But I'll tell you this. Half the people I know do. Half the people I know struggle with panic attacks or anxiety and are on some kind of medication. And I'm learning about it. And I'm seeing how God can raise up someone that I love and care about who deals with the same thing And now God is using her story to minister to people who are going through the same thing. Right? Like, it's hard for me to teach and love and counsel someone going through anxiety because I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. But this person I love and care about, they they live it, they breathe it, and they find hope in Jesus, and so they can share their struggles. And point people back to Jesus. Do you see how God can use your cracks for his glory? See, God wants to desperately use us to share Christ with others. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't even have to have Bible college. You don't even have to have a degree. You have to be breathing. And you have to be submitting to the Father. Like, Lord, show me. What we're asking our people constantly is... Where you live, work, and play, be intentional about those relationships because God has uniquely made you to witness and minister to those people that God has put in your place. Right? And these, these are slow baby steps, and, and it takes a lot of time. But I've seen a friend of mine who wants to share the gospel, doesn't know how, and is really kind of scared about doing that. And he says, man, I was on a, a road trip with one of my bosses and he was starting to ask me about spiritual things. And I said, there you go. And he says, what'd you say? He says, well, I was just listening to him and I told him about Jesus. I'm like, there you go, right? Like, do you see? Like, it, it works if, you, if you're aware of it. If you believe that God has uniquely made you and placed you in a specific place for ministry, he will use you. Like, I look at my kids. I have six of them. And they are all different. They have some similarities here and there. But I can't tell you, like, the personality of my two-and-a-half-year-old has been there since, since the day she was born. Unbelievable. 
I'm like, you are so tiny, but your personality would fill this room. Like, she didn't learn that from me, right? Like, God has uniquely made her. My six-year-old, who's almost seven, he loves the cross. One of our churches in the basement, they had, it's where all the kids went for all their classrooms, and they had this cross down there, and all these toys are laid out, right? It's a big open room, and then the classrooms are on the side. They had this cross in the very back room. I love this. I even took a picture of it. He, he would go down there, and all the kids are playing with toys, and he just walks up to that cross, and he puts his hands in his pockets, and he just looks at it. And I see this little bitty boy. Like, he's tiny, but mighty, and he's looking up at this cross. All these kids are playing with toys, and he's just got his hands in his pockets, and he's just looking at the cross. Right? And my, my 11-year-old, he's like, Dad, he came to me last night. He's like, I read this verse. I memorized this verse this summer. I'm like, that's cool, man. Like, God has uniquely made them all different. But he's made them for a purpose. But is the church going to grab a hold of this purpose and say, yes, Lord, use me? Are we going to take this lamp and we're going to put it up high so people can see the light of Christ shine? Let's not be the people that puts it under a bed. So let's move on. Let's move on to verse 26. This is the second section. This is a unique parable to the Gospel of Mark. And he says this, and he said, Jesus, the kingdom of God, right, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He just talked about the parable of the sower. So he's kind of repeating himself. He says, scatter the seed on the ground. But check it out. This is where it differs. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain, in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Right? Like, I do not have a green thumb. When you have six kids, half of your yard is dirt. And we have a dog, too, who likes to dig holes. I have tried to grow grass. You move the basketball goal off the spot where it was at and put it on the driveway and there's like a bare spot there's bare spots and and i got like the i got the easiest seed like you shouldn't have to do anything to make this seed grow like it's got water built into it you know this whole bag and we're out there and we're we're sowing seed we're throwing it all over the dark i'm trying to rake it up and get it you know the the ground tilled up a little bit or messed up and, and nothing and it rains i mean we did it they say the the best time to grow grass is right before the the last snow Right? We, I mean, we had one like a month ago, right? Like the last snow. And then it went to 90 degrees. And so we're throwing seed, and I'm not seeing anything in my front yard. But where the basketball goal was, there was cracks, because it was so dry at one point that I, we threw the seed over there, and it went into the cracks. And one day I just looked down, and there's sprouts coming up out of the cracks. And I'm like, I don't know how it happens. I threw seed all over, but some, for some reason, this soil is fertile. This soil is good soil, and it started sprouting up. And we've got, like, it's really neat to see grass grow. I didn't know, I, I cannot grow grass. We have strawberries in the backyard, and they're, they came back again this year, and they've already been picked and eaten. Like, I don't know how that happens, right? Like, I could tell you scientifically, but, but even then, I don't know how that stuff works. Like, you need all these circumstances to happen. And Jesus is just following up from this parable. He's saying, listen, you've got the light of Christ in you. Don't put it under a bowl. But let me tell you something. You don't know how it happens. What you're called to do is be a, sow, a sower. You can do this, right? You can sow seed. And I can't tell you how it grows. God makes it grow. There was this argument in, Corinthian, in the Corinthian church, and Paul had to address it. It says, 
So it's not, I didn't baptize. It was it me who baptized you or Paul? Who do you follow? He says, listen, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. God grows his kingdom. He's asking us to be sowers of the seed. One of our prayers for our church is Luke 10 2. Luke 10 2 is the, is the passage that says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for workers of the harvest. What Jesus is saying here is like, listen, if you sow seed, God will make it grow. And guess what? You don't know how. It will sprout up. It will produce. And then you know what you get to do? The cool thing is sometimes you get to be the harvester. You get to be the person that says the one thing and they say, I'm in. But you didn't lay the groundwork for that, right? But you may be laying the groundwork for someone else to be the harvester. As a youth pastor, we wouldn't just do dumb games and have fun all the time. We would pray and we would tell kids about Jesus and they would come and they would hear. And you have no idea where that that word is going to take root in their lives. You pray and hope that it does, but you know that sometimes looking back, man, that was hard soil and it didn't take. Oh, but, but here, look. They're in ministry, and the word took root, and they're living for Christ. And this person, they're living for Christ. They're living in the business world, but Jesus is the first thing to them, right? Like, you, you can't see the effects of sowing seeds sometimes. You don't know. You don't, sometimes you'll get to be the harvester, which is a really cool thing. But sometimes you're tilling the ground. You're working the ground, which is what we feel like we're doing in Washington. And you're going to plant seeds. And you're praying that God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you've got to do something. And that's what God's asking you and I to do. And then we get to the third and final section of this parable. And this is the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus says, and he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? Right? Like he's saying, listen, I know what you think it is, but it's not as you think it is. I know you think I'm going to come down here, have a kingdom, you're going to be my, my best buds, my counsel, and we're going to rule. So that, that's not the kingdom of God. And he says this. He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. All the sowing you do, those small conversations in your house. Like I'm, I'm planting seeds in my house. My wife and I are planting seeds in our house. We have to say sorry a lot. We have to say God is so gracious, and I'm sorry I haven't been gracious to you, but you need to listen more. And you talk about spiritual things, and what have you been reading? Let me tell you a story about God, and you share a story. Like, you're planting seeds in your home. Like, we plant these seeds, and plant them, and plant them, and plant them. And we pray, and we know there's nothing we can do. I can't reach into my kids' lives and take their heart and change it. But I'm praying God does that. I'm praying if I'm faithful in planting and sharing and sowing seeds that God will make it grow. 
And when I work, I work in a really unique situation. I, I hang drywall for my brother-in-law. And three of the guys serve in the church. One's a worship guy, one's a youth pastor, and one's an associate pastor who should be planning a church. And I'm trying to get them to plan a church. And I love spending time with those guys because they're encouraging and we challenge each other. And then the other half of our guys, man, they need Jesus. And when hard times come, they come and they ask us things. And we're just trying to plant seeds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why bad things happen. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like, the world is not as it should be. This is not how God created the world to be with sin and destruction and death and hurt and pain. He didn't design it that way. But sin, as a result, this is why it's that way. And I don't have the answers for you. And I know that God loves that person who died and they were, it was tragic, but I'm telling you, like, I don't know why, but I know, I know who God is. Right? And you're planting seeds week in and week out. And you're praying that God would raise up a harvest and that you get to harvest it. And here's the picture. And here's where we can kind of end today with. We're trying to further the kingdom in Washington. Right? Jesus has planted the seed and the tree is growing out and it's sprouting. So much so, it's the smallest of seeds, right? Like, the kingdom of God is a slow, long process. Much like as you come to know Christ, like, you want to have all the answers and everything figured out, right? But you know, every day you wake up, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm still me and I'm still struggling. I'm trying to get closer to Christ. And as you get closer to Christ, you realize your sin doesn't necessarily diminish. But you see the cross grow because you see how deep your sin was and how deep the cross grows. Right? The cross is growing every day. That's a long process. Like We wish we could get to the finish line. Or we wish the finish line would start now and we could just live perfectly the rest of our lives. But we know God is working in us. And the kingdom is in Washington. And it's small. And the kingdom is in West County, in Ellisville. But if we look at it in a broad picture, the kingdom has started with a small seed. It's it sprouted and it's growing. And God is growing his kingdom. And it's large. Because it doesn't just exist here. It doesn't just exist in Eureka or Washington or Manchester or Dogtown. But it has grown. It exists in Mumbai, India, where the gathering's at. And the billions of people that need Christ, right? It exists in South America, where these small churches that meet for four hours, like the kingdom is growing. Like this small seed that Jesus planted in the hearts of 12 disciples has grown, and is growing even to this day. Isn't it amazing that we sit here 2,000 years after Christ died and rose and, and ascended to heaven, that we have this book like, these are the words of God passed on from generation to generation. And we have it 2,000 years later. And there are very small variances and over thousands of copies of this book. Like, how can that be? Because men are corrupt. The church has been corrupt. Yet God, through his sovereignty, has, sec has secured this book. Like, like, I believe, I believe this book is the word of God. And I believe it's passed down. And it is amazing when you look back at all the scientific data. It's hard to refute what this book is. I look at the sunset. I'm like, how could that be an accident? Look at those colors. And it's not going to be that way ever again. 
You ever look at the sunset and be like, man, I tell my, like, isn't God a beautiful artist? And look, that's a one of a kind. There will never be another one like that. Like, he is so good. He's painting this picture. He's raising up his church and he's using people like you and me to further the kingdom. Like, I believe in God because the evidence for God is all around and I believe that he is faithful even when I am not. And I see Jesus saying, listen, would you just be faithful? I'm going to make it grow for his glory and for his kingdom. Now, I want to share this with you and we'll close. I love being a part of the kingdom of God. But each day, we have to remind ourselves, Jesus, you're worth it, right? Like, my heart longs to be satisfied, to be content. And oftentimes, it's restless because I'm running from God, and I'm running to something else that I think will satisfy me, and it may for a moment, but the moment's long gone, and God's like, I'm still here. And my wife and I, we've been talking about this in, like, in our devotionals and the scriptures. Like, it just keeps coming up. I'm like, I think God's trying to teach us and get our attention here. Like, we have to be satisfied in him and him alone. And when we do that, man, we feel a peace that we can't have by chasing the things in this world, chasing the things that even dwell up in our hearts. And some of those things are good things. But without Christ, it does not bring us satisfaction. So my, as we see Jesus talk about the kingdom and it growing and the gospel going forth and that we have a really neat part to play in that, I want to paint a broad picture to see the kingdom is growing. Let's thank God for that. But at the same time, Jesus is worth it. He is worth dying to yourself every day. Because this life is only momentary, it's but a mist, but heaven is for eternity. And I don't know about you, but I long for that day, right? Like, the older I get, I'm 41, and I'm like, you know, the back just goes out, and you don't even know why it goes out. But you're like, you know, the kids are like, get off my back, I can't even stand up, right? Like, I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to be made new, I'm ready to be completed, to be made perfect. I'm ready to stop struggling with the things I struggle with. I'm ready just to go home. And I remember as a teenager, um, an elderly woman in our home church, we went to visit her and do some yard work, and I remember her saying this, I'm just ready to go home. I'm just ready to go home. And I thought, I'm not ready to go home. You know, it was at 12 o'clock, I don't want to go home yet. And now, I'm half her age, but God has put a desire in my heart to be with him. I'm not going to discount the time I have on it because I love this. I want to fast forward. But at the same time, what, what we have offered in Christ is so much greater than what we, could, what we could accumulate here on earth. So let's keep praying that God would use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the sake of his kingdom. And thank you for being a church that partners with us, that supports us, and encourages the gospel even out in Washington. The kingdom is growing and it's expanding. And I thank you for being a part of it. Let's pray together. God, your word is so good and it's so true and it's so refreshing. 
Lord, forgive me for thinking that anything other than Jesus can fulfill and satisfy the things in my heart. Forgive me for being undisciplined and lazy and desiring other things than your word. Lord, forgive me for not believing that it's you that goes before us. That you are the one working in the hearts and lives of your people. And forgive me, Lord, for not speaking those words. Lord, I'm thankful that even in the midst of my darkness of my heart, of the wickedness of my heart, of my heart's desire to, to wander and leave you, Jesus, that you chase me down, that you don't separate yourself, that you don't ask me to do anything, but you just say, come to me, Father. Or thank you that all I have to do is approach you, that in Christ, I'm your child. That in Christ, Lord, I have all the promises that are in Jesus. Lord, that you, through Jesus, did everything that I couldn't do. And I pray for a fresh wind to move through your people, through West County, through St. Louis, through Washington. That all the things that we chase pale in comparison to knowing you and being known by you. God, I pray, Lord, that we would long for you more than anything else. Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that we wouldn't put on condemnation because Romans clearly says there's no condemnation in Christ. So the lies that we feed ourselves or the lies that we hear, Lord, if they're not true in you, Lord, I pray that you would free us from those to believe that you have uniquely made us, created us, and loved us for a purpose. And the purpose is to bring glory to you. That you can use the cracks in our hearts and our souls to minister and love and sow seeds of hope in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, for being so good, for being so patient and kind. We give you all the glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.